Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. We all see and hear too much negativity, too much doom and gloom in the politics, in the mainstream media, and it's easy to gravitate that way. I don't like to do that. I like to encourage folks to take action and have hope and opportunity in the world today. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest-running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Ash Patel, and I'm with today's guest, Tony Lopez. Tony is joining us from Boston, Massachusetts. He is the CEO of Dirty Boots Capital, where he is a real estate investor, syndicator, coach, speaker, as well as author of Freedom at Risk, How to Protect Your Personal and Financial Freedoms. Tony's portfolio consists of over 200 units of assets under management. Tony, thank you for joining us, and how are you today? I'm well, Osh. Thank you so much for having me on, and thank you for that beautiful introduction. Wow. I'd like to meet that guy sometime. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it's our pleasure. Tony, before we get started, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Sure. So 15-second soundbite on my background. I'm the product of immigrant parents. I'm like a lot of your listeners and your viewers out there. I grew up in a blue-collar home, and I grew up under the mantra that my parents shared of go to school, get a good education, you'll get a good job, and be taken care of for the rest of your life. Well, I did that. I went to school. I got a good education, got a good job, and then I got laid off, which I think a lot of listeners and viewers can resonate with because we all experience that at some point. But I figured out that that wasn't for me. I wanted more freedom. I wanted more control. So that's where I went into real estate and was able to build a portfolio over about 10 years that allowed me to retire at the ripe old age of 44 years old. So since transitioning to, so to speak, that retirement mode, I've been doing coaching. I've been doing syndication. I've been doing a lot of education type resources like the book that I wrote just to help people understand the craziness that's happening in our world today and try to share with them a lot of hope and opportunity that's out there because we all see and hear too much negativity, too much doom and gloom in the politics, in the mainstream media, and it's easy to gravitate that way. I don't like to do that. I like to encourage folks to take action and have hope and opportunity in the world today. 
Tony, over 200 units, what was your first deal? <laughs> My first deal was actually a crappy four-unit apartment building. I was starting out, probably bought it around 30 years old, maybe 32, somewhere around there. Somebody asked me, gee, Tony, what was the cash on cash? And what was this metric and that metric? I didn't know any of that. I didn't know any of those metrics, how to do all that stuff. And actually, it probably bode well for me because I didn't get paralyzed and wrapped around the axle on that stuff. So for me, I just looked simply at what was going to be the cash flow on that building. And that's it. I was looking for cash flow that would allow me one day to use that cash flow to replace my wages from my job so that I could get away from the job. I'll be honest with you, even though it wasn't the best building for me to buy, I still own that building today. It cash flows well. It allowed me to do some refi along the way. I went into single family construction after that. After I sold off some single family new construction, I went back into multifamily space, bought some more multifamilies. So even though it wasn't the exactly right property for me, and I made so many mistakes with that property, despite those mistakes, it was still a fabulous investment for me. You said this wasn't the best building for you. Why is that? There were a lot of, I don't want to say structural issues, but it needed a lot of love more love, more maintenance than I realized. So for me, I was working my day job. I didn't have a lot of time to devote to doing repairs and maintenance things. So for me, I should have been more savvy going into this, what it was going to take in terms of capital expense, as well as just time to repair those things. So that was one aspect. Another aspect was I should have looked at the tenants, their makeup, of the tenants more closely because we did have some issues there. So yeah, those are a couple of things that I wish I studied a little harder, paid a little more attention to. Yeah, similar to me, uh, the first building I bought, probably shouldn't have bought it. It was an absolute disaster. And somebody asked me what your exit plan was. And look, I was new and I made up some dumb answer like, oh, we could do this, this, this. And I had no idea what my exit plan was. But in hindsight, I didn't have an exit plan, and that was good because I was going to make it work at all costs. So for our best ever listeners out there, would you recommend that they kind of do what we did, just dive into something and get the ball rolling, or get the education, do it all the right way? Wow. I think different people are built differently. Some people need to have all the knowledge in their head before they take that leap. Other people are a little more freestyle. It's hard to say. It's really a personal decision. One thing that I do share with folks is whether they leverage a coach to help them through the process if they've never done it before. I mean, there's a lot of value in having a coach, but there's also a lot of value in having a hard money lender. And a lot of newbies shy away from hard money lenders. But let me tell you, one of the best things about a hard money lender is they bring a ton of experience to the table. So they're not going to invest their money in a deal that's going to go south. So what they're going to do for you, if you're new and you don't know how to run the numbers and do the due diligence and all that important stuff that we do as investors, if you're new to it and you don't know how to do it, having a hard money lender teach you how to do that, to go through the math, to go through the process of due diligence, that education is so valuable. 
So many new investors get hooked up on, oh, gee, I'm going to have to pay a 10% interest rate. Well, you're just paying up for your education. That's the cost of your education to learn this. They will actually teach you through that hard money lending process and make sure, which is so important, make sure that first investment is going to be successful. Because if that first investment is not successful, most likely you're going to shy away from real estate investing, which would be too bad because there's so many good things that come out of real estate investing, as we know. That is great advice. And actually, if your deal doesn't work with that 10 or 12% hard money loan, it's probably not a deal worth pursuing. So you shouldn't be on such razor-thin margins, especially for your first deal. Great advice. What do you wish you did differently on that first property? Good question, Ash. So for me, I spent too much time doing the low-level work, I guess I'll call it, myself. I didn't realize my value was more so in managing the property, running the numbers, finding the next deal, figuring out the financing for the next deal. That's where my value really came in. I was polished. I knew how to run the numbers. I knew how to speak to bankers and hard money lenders, and I knew the jargon and all that sort of stuff. I should have been focused more there to find my next deal. Instead, I was mowing the lawn. I was fixing the gutter. I was replacing the toilet. Those were all 10 and $20 tasks that I should have hired out. And I'd be 100 times more, I don't know, successful today had I allowed others to do those low-level tasks. And I should have focused on the high-level, really, value. Understand where I fit in that value chain. It was in a different place, and I didn't realize that until later in the game. Tony, you and I have probably given that advice to so many people is stop, identify your value, and stop wasting your time on 10 and $20 jobs. But the argument that I've made, and I hear a lot, is, yeah, but I have the time. Why would I pay somebody when I could just do it myself? What's your answer to that? Because it's hard for somebody to say, my time is worth $300 an hour, let's say. But when I'm not doing anything, it's worth zero an hour. So why wouldn't I just do this? Yeah, one of the things we focus on in the coaching that we do is helping people understand the importance. And so I'm going to answer your question a little indirectly. The importance of growing your network. We've all heard the phrase, your network is your net worth. So if you have free time, you should really be using that free time to grow your network. Find others who might be able to feed you deals. That deal flow, we all know the importance of deal flow. Learn how to do wholesaling. Use that free time to do wholesaling because if your expertise is how to run numbers and how to finance and how to do all that high-level value-add stuff, then find some wholesale properties that you might be able to flip for profit. There's so much to learn within real estate. Network, network, network. And I share with folks that I've been in a lot of different industries. And within real estate, this is the only industry I found where people will share information freely. I go into networking groups. I go to conferences. We're all sharing about what we're doing, what we're seeing in the Airbnb market, what we're seeing within the syndication space. This works, that doesn't. We all share that stuff freely. 
which is amazing. If I was to go to, say, like a pharmaceutical conference, you think they would be sharing that information freely at a pharmaceutical conference, what they're doing for testing, what works for them, where they are with the FAA? They wouldn't. Real estate has been truly, and I've been around for 50 years, real estate is the only industry where I see people share stuff freely. And that is so amazing. That's such a powerful thing that we should latch on to because this is a crazy world. We don't have a lot of stuff that works for us all the time. And real estate, man, everybody is so giving in that it's, realm. It's crazy. If you go to Wall Street and ask some of these guys and girls what they're buying or what they're investing in, there's no way they're going to open up their books for you, right? So we're very blessed just to have great people around us in this industry. But best ever listeners, I want you to dive into what Tony said I get it. When you're working, your time could be worth $1,000 an hour. When you find a deal, it's worth a lot. When you're not, build your network or focus on yourself. Hang out with your family, your friends. That's valuable time, and it's worth a lot. So offload those tasks that you don't have to be doing. And if you can't afford to pay somebody $20 an hour, figure out why not. Scale up, get partners, do something, but your time is worth more than $20 an hour. Tony, I'd love to hear your story about how you scaled up from that first four unit to where you are now with over 200 units. For me, it was just forced appreciation of the properties that I bought. So I'll share a story of that. Many new investors can either resonate with, or if you're not a new investor and you're looking to get into real estate, this is something that's very doable. My first property was a four unit building. Nothing crazy. It's not like I bought a 20-unit building when I first started. I didn't need millions. It was a four-unit building. Pretty easy. From there, I did a cash-out refi, got some cash, bought some land. I built two single-family homes that I ended up selling. Those proceeds went back into multifamily. I think my next property that I bought was a three-unit building. Again, not huge, very doable for anybody out there. After that, I bought a two-unit building, and then I bought a five-unit building. So my stardom wasn't these huge 10, 20-unit buildings. I don't want folks to feel like this is unattainable. It's very attainable. I know because I did it myself. So for me, it was just slowly one building after another, just getting it up and running. And then eventually I got to the point where for me, I transitioned into syndication because I was having great cash flow and I was paying a lot in taxes. So I needed to find a way to lower my tax base. So through syndication, through cost segregation studies and being able to pull in that depreciation sooner into the first and second year, I was able to offset my taxes. So for me, it was just a natural progression of things to go from having these small apartment buildings to actually jumping into doing syndications. To be clear, the syndications itself is not a tax benefit, but you're using leverage at a higher scale because you're taking yeah. on investors, right? How right. long before you were comfortable taking other people's money? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, I, I'm, still, uh, I'm still not sure I'm comfortable taking other people's money. People work hard for their money. And when I'm dealing with other people's money, I truly make sure they're in a good place and they're a good fit for what we do. I think if you're talking to a syndicator and they're 
taking your money too easily, too quickly. From my perspective, I think you might want to question working with that syndicator. So to answer your question, I'm not sure I'm, <laughs> I'm comfortable taking other people's money. I really need to vet them as much as they need to vet me. Yeah, great point. Tony, how many years into the business before you started taking on investors? We just started taking on investors probably two years ago. So I've been in the business for nearly 20 years. So I was in the business for 18 years, buying and selling, doing 1031 exchanges, doing value adds on my own for 18 years before I even got into syndications and taking other people's money. So I feel like I know the business well. I know what can go right. I know what can go wrong. I know what works. So I feel very comfortable at this point doing the syndication route. You know, Joe Fairless used to give me a hard time a lot because every time I closed the deal, he would ask if I raised money for it and I would say no. And then he's like, should I raise for it? Should I raise for it? And I was so uncomfortable taking someone else's money and I never raised money for it. But once I learned that I'm actually doing these investors a favor because they can't grow money at the rate that we're growing it, I realized I'm doing a huge service to these investors. That changed my mindset and it opened up my world to take on investors, but it also blew up my business. Did you experience the same thing where you were able to scale much faster? Yeah. I, wow. I so resonate with that, Osh, as far as helping investors, especially right now, these last few years during the pandemic, post-pandemic, the price of real estate has just exploded and it is difficult to make a buck in real estate, but we can make money when we scale, because we have greater efficiencies with property management. If we have to replace a roof, we're replacing a roof and we amortize that over a hundred units versus over four units. So we have greater efficiencies and we also have greater reach into different markets that actually work. So if you're a mom and pop and you're trying to buy a four family building in your neighborhood, Austin has been hot, Phoenix has been hot, all of Florida has been hot. If you're trying to buy in those markets and you're like, geez, none of these work, working with a syndicator who has greater reach, maybe into the Alabama market, that's been well, maybe into the Tennessee market, other areas that you may not be familiar with, maybe some places in North Carolina, working with a syndicator allows you to level up your game and be able to have greater reach into different markets, but also greater efficiency in the business versus just trying to do four or five units at a time. So that's a bonus. And then I forgot about the second half of your question. I did too. However, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. You're, you're, no, no, no. What you said led me to another question. And that was, did you also struggle with building out a team like I did? Or are you a one man shop right now? I leverage other sponsors in their team. So I'm very much a networker and I'm very much a connector in everything I do. So yeah, that's really how I've been able to scale and level up my game is through the connections I made and just the networking that I do. Are you a one-man shop? Yes, other than my four VAs that support me incredibly. <laughs> Got it. Was it a struggle getting your first VA in terms mm -hmm. of your mindset? It was a little bit. I think every VA that I've brought on, it's a matter of helping them understand the business, helping them understand my values and my belief system, 
whenever I bring somebody on, I will give them my book and I will say, read this book. This is the first thing you have to do. Read this book so you know who I am. You'll understand where I come from. You'll understand my belief system, my values, where my head is at and why real estate is so important to us. And that's their first piece of the education to get them where I need them to be as far as a VA goes. So it takes some time, but it's a very doable thing. I think almost everybody in society for one reason or another, should have a VA. They're so incredibly affordable. You can get VAs out of Colombia or the Philippines, anywhere from 5 to $10. And I have a whole spiel on why everybody should have a VA, and we can save that for another show. <laughs> we'll get back to the show. But first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Are you thinking about investing in multifamily real estate? Need some insight on how it's done? On the Small X Podcast, multifamily investor Nico Salgado interviews the top multifamily investors in the nation to uncover the secrets and strategies behind their success. He also features newer multifamily investors chronicling their journeys for a full year so you can learn alongside other investors. Nico believes that it only takes a small axe to build an empire. So if you're ready to build your multifamily empire, check out the Small Axe Podcast with Nico Salgado on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Deciding how to invest your capital is more challenging than ever. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company with a solid track record and that has thrived through various economic cycles. Companies like BAM Capital. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator that has delivered a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. BAM Capital's never missed a preferred payment, never lost an LP's investment, and never called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital is currently raising capital for a fund designed for accredited investors targeting a 15 to 20% IRR and a 2 to 2.5x equity multiple to its investors over a three to five year hold period. If you're an accredited investor and you want to learn more about multifamily investment opportunities with BAM Capital, visit capital.com thebamcompanies.com. Again, that's capital.thebamcompanies.com. Tony, what would have helped you scale faster? A better, stronger network. So this is me being a little vulnerable right now, kind of sharing my shortcomings. I would have gotten into syndication sooner, would have helped more people sooner, would have been more profitable sooner had I had a better network had I leaned against some other people who were doing great things rather than trying to do everything myself. So for me, it was the network. Had I had a stronger network, a deeper network, a better network, whatever you want to call it. That's why I'm so vocal about folks growing their network. It's so incredibly important these days. We're no longer in a bubble in our own little world. To be able to do some of this stuff, you need to be able to access people who are halfway across the country or on the other coast from you, we need to be able to tap into those smart people and have access to that. And social media makes it incredibly easy for us to do that. I've had folks who have watched my YouTube channel who have actually reached out to me. I had somebody reach out to me from Holland. I'm like, holy cow, you're from Holland. How did you find me? So they watched my YouTube, they found me on LinkedIn, and they reached out to me on LinkedIn. And I was like, how impressive is that to be able to watch something or hear somebody and say, oh, let me go seek them out and have a conversation. And it was wild. Let's go back to some of those newer best ever listeners that are maybe doing their first deal. I love the advice about considering a hard money lender or at least running numbers as if you were borrowing money at 12%. 
offloading tasks that you don't need to be doing, getting help. And in terms of networking, what's your advice to newer people in terms of networking and how to build a strong network? Specifically around real estate, one of the best things I found and I encourage folks to do is to, to seek out and go to your local real estate investment club, Urea, Real Estate Investment Association or Real Estate Club, whatever they call them in your area. Usually there's two or three in a particular area. That's one of the best places to start because, again, the real estate community is one where we embrace each other. I go to these things. I see young folks who are 20, 30 years old starting out for the first time. I just want to, like, regurgitate all the good stuff like I know that I want to help them with. It's just a great place to learn and make contacts and just grow your network. What is your business model today? I know you connect people. You work with other syndicators. Are you more focused on capital raising or finding deals or just finding other syndicators that find deals for you? Right now, we got a bunch of things going on. We are connected with about $20 million. We have to go play somewhere. So we're working with a couple of family offices, high net worth families out of New York and New Jersey. So that's kind of where the business has taken us to try to help in that vein. Outside of that, my goal and my mantra has been along the lines of helping people achieve more. Simply achieve more. I think we all can rally around that. We all want more in some shape, form, or another. More wealth, more health, more nutrition, more peace, more freedom. We all want to achieve more. So that's really what I've rallied around. Everything from my YouTube channel to the speaking that I do, and then the coaching. I have folks that come to me who are looking for a certain thing that may not be my bag. I have people who come, they say, hey, I want cash flow, but real estate isn't my thing. I'm like, okay. So we talk and they're like, come to find out they like to trade stocks and options and things like that. So because I'm a connector and I have a big network, I refer them to somebody that does coaching and training around trading stocks, looking at certain indicators and being able to train them on a cash flow boot camp on options. Because that's not my world. I'm not the expert there. So I'm super happy to be able to make that connection with other people in the world. So for me, it's about simply helping people achieve more. What you should be doing is telling them that that option game usually ends poorly. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I grew up in Jersey. Tons of my friends are on Wall Street. And some of the highest level traders, most educated traders ever have just dismal failures. Not yeah. saying that everyone fails, but that's a tough game, man. The thing tough I don't like it. about the options, especially with options, that can be a lot of short-term gains, and you just get killed with capital gains. I don't know. If anybody else is like me out there, I'd love to hear from them. I don't like to pay taxes, or at least federal taxes. Mm -hmm. Believe me, I pay plenty taxes in terms of property tax. So I definitely help my cities and towns <laughs> through the property taxes that I pay. But I don't like paying federal taxes. And I think some of these other strategies, you just get killed with short-term capital gains. Yeah, Warren Buffett calls options weapons of mass destruction. Tony, <laughs> you mentioned you've got $20 million that you need to deploy. It seems in today's market, capital is everybody's Achilles heel. 
Mm. Syndicators are trying frantically to raise enough capital. How do you have $20 million that you have to deploy? <laughs> I was fortunate enough because of my network, my big network, I got introduced to another individual. He's a certified financial planner, great guy. He's a fiduciary. He wants to do good for his clients. And he wants to create a real estate component to his portfolio for his investors. So he has investors that are willing through the multiple investors that he has. These are just mom and pop type people, doctors, lawyers, engineers, school teachers, whoever it is that are just regular Joe Schmo investors that invest with him right now in stocks and bonds, but realize they need to be in the real estate game. They realize this. So multiple folks have said, we want that. And now he needs to figure that out. So he's teamed with me because he's a nice guy, but he's not a real estate guy. He knows stocks and bonds and all that stuff. He's smart in that regard, but he doesn't know real estate. So that's where I come in. So I've teamed with him to work with him to find a place to place this $20 million from his investors. So that's been my main focus. So even though it's not necessarily my personal raise of that money, I still feel very committed to put these hardworking people's money in a good place so that they don't lose it. Tony, I've interviewed a lot of CFAs and CFPs that transition into real estate. And I asked them, when you were in the financial industry, why didn't you recommend real estate to your clients? And their answer is always, because there was no way for me to make money on it. How does this fiduciary make money on this deal? For him, his business, it's going to be through a 1% management fee. That's okay, really so all it is. he's charging the client. Yeah, the fund documents are being written up. But right now, we're looking to partner with a family office out of New Jersey. So for us, we're not even thinking we're going to be requiring an acquisition fee. Sometimes in these syndications, there's an acquisition fee. And this isn't a pitch. It's just what we're doing. The family office is already having the acquisition fee rolled into the deal on their side. So we're not having to roll it into our side. So we think as of right now, as these documents, the ink isn't even dry on them yet, but we don't think we're going to have to charge an acquisition fee. We're thinking we're just going to charge the 1% management fee because there is some work in managing property and managing some other people's money. There's work that goes into that and he should be compensated for that. Now, is that you getting the 1% or are you splitting the 1% with the fiduciary? We'll figure that out. But yeah, my piece will come from there somewhere. Yeah. Okay. And then are you part of the upside on this deal as well? Yeah. Okay. How long have you been coaching? I've been coaching for seven years and that just happened organically. I wasn't looking to getting into the coaching realm. When folks found out I was retiring from a corporate job, retiring from a six-figure income. They came out of the woodwork. It was almost like repetitive. It was, Tony, I always knew you did something with real estate, but I never knew to this degree it was this much. You were going to be able to retire at 44. All these conversations were the same, and I had multiple, multiple people who knew. It was one story after another. Can we sit down for coffee? Can we sit down for lunch? I had one person who brought me a map of the city, and they said, hey, can you map out the area where I should be looking for properties? So it just started organically from that ground level. So I realized there were a lot of people that were hungry for this and didn't know where to start. And it resonated with me because that's where I came from. I didn't know where to start. 
But I had a tremendous amount of success, and I said, okay, so i got to put something logical in place. So I've since developed a six-module program that people can go through either in a couple of months or six months. It depends on their appetite and their time availability and a lot of different things. But basically, it's six modules I walk them through to be able to make sense of the steps they need to take so that they don't get paralyzed along the way or frightened along the way we put in the bridges that they need to cross over. So it's a very logical way. And yeah, it just developed over time organically. Yeah, you and I have so many similarities. The same thing, I had a bunch of multifamily people that wanted to get into commercial. They came to me. I did not have the time to do a coaching program and then organically grew this into a mastermind. The reason I asked you about the coaching and there was an ulterior motive there is because in this down economy, It seems like everybody's reverting to coaching for income. All these syndicators, deals are getting harder to come by. Interest rates are going up. A lot of multifamily pain is out there. So it's a natural progression. Oh, let me start coaching and make a lot of money. So that's why I want to see if you were a new coach that is doing this for the income or if you've been at this for a while. What are your thoughts on finding a good coach? We're somehow focusing on these new investors, all the great advice you've already given. What's your advice on finding a good coach to somebody starting out? And look, the argument is there's so much free advice out there. Why would you hire a coach? Yeah, absolutely. So how to find a good coach. So I'll share with you for a number of years when I first retired, I didn't even charge anything for my coaching. I just gave it away free. Because not for nothing, my real estate puts the food on the table, gas in my car, pays my bills. I don't really need money from people. And that's not to be braggadocious. It's just I was able to do coaching for free. Today, because my time is so valuable, as you can see, I'm chasing after a $20 million building. I'm working with family offices, New York, New Jersey, different things. There's just so much. I'm writing books. My time is very valuable. So I do charge for coaching today. Not because I'm looking for people's money, but because I need them to be committed. And that's true with a lot of coaches. If you're looking for somebody good, that dollar value that you pay, to a large degree, it shows your commitment to learning and being present. The worst thing for me is when I jump on a Zoom call for a coaching call and the other party doesn't show up. I have zero tolerance for that. My time is very valuable. That's why I charge for coaching today, because I need people that are committed, present, and going to be in that seat when that Zoom camera goes live. So that's me. So how do you find a good coach? Well, I think the first thing is you find somebody who's done it. Make sure that they've done it before and you're not signing up with somebody who's just watched a handful of YouTube videos. You need to dig in. You need to hear their story and know who you're working with. And if they start looking for you to pay right away, oh, I just submitted you an invoice and pay that invoice and then we'll jump on a call. I don't like that. I think they should be open to having that conversation first before you pay anything. You got to make sure you're signing up with the right person. Now, why a coach is so valuable? Wow, the rental market and the buying and selling is just so different today than it was 20 years ago when I started. The landlord-tenant laws are more important to understand. We're in a much more litigious society today than we were 20 years ago. So you need to make sure you're structured properly, that you're doing 
property management and maintenance properly. So there's a lot of things that are different today than maybe 20 years ago. Oh, my dad used to do property. True story. My dad used to have six-unit building. The way he did multifamily 30 years ago would not work today. There's just too much risk in it. So, yeah, there's a lot of points from structuring your entity, doing your property management and maintenance, also to your CPA. Not all CPAs know how to do real estate transactions and how to figure that out and leverage it in your favor. So there's a lot of different tactics there that need to be gone through and not for nothing. What you pay for a coach, you end up getting back probably within your first year, to be honest. Yeah. You and I have so many similarities. I did the same thing where my first season of coaching, only a few people paid, but most of them were friends of mine or people that I let in for free because I didn't know my worth. And the people that got in for free did nothing. The people that paid actually went on to do deals. So no skin in the game, can't do it. And it's the same thing. It's so important what you said. If a coach just takes your money or demands your money up front, run. I spend hours with each person before they come into the mastermind because I need to know that they're a good fit for us and we're a good fit for them, right? So, so many good points here. Tony, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Yeah, let's do it. All right, Tony, what's the best ever book you recently read? I'm going to throw two out there for the viewers and the listeners, and I think this is gold. The first one is, and maybe some have heard of it, Who Not How. Find the who's in your life to do those how's that you shouldn't be doing. It's a book by Dan Sullivan, Who Not How. The second book for folks who are trying to build more of a business, build their brand if they're already in the real estate realm and maybe doing syndications, a great book is Primal Branding. It's all about branding your business, branding yourself. It's an excellent book. I forget the author's name, but Primal Branding. Look it up. It's easy to find. We'll find it and put it in the show notes. Tony, what's the best ever way you like to give back? Wow. The best ever way is I like giving back to young people. They just seem more receptive than people in my age group. So I love to share tons of free information to 20-something-year-olds, to 30-something-year-olds. I love having these dynamic conversations. They're so willing to learn and take action. I don't know. I just feel like some of the older folks are just stuck. They're paralyzed for whatever reason. So for me, I just gravitate towards the younger people at conferences, at my local real estate investment club. I just find more energy there, and they're just more receptive to my ideas and taking action, which is one of the big things. Look, I share a lot of different information, some stuff I charge for, some stuff I don't. Some of this stuff is gold, (laughs) I think, that I'm giving out. Take action. Do something with it. Tony, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? They can check out my website, dirtybootscapital.com. If they want to send me an email, best way to do is tonylopes at dirtybootscapital.com. My apologies. I called you Tony Lopez. Very sorry. That's okay. Yeah, it's Tony Lopes, L-O-P-E-S, at dirtybootscapital.com. Well, Tony Lopes, I got to thank you for your time today. What an awesome conversation. Shared so much advice. Basically built a roadmap for people getting started and scaling up into this business. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me on, Ash. I appreciate you. Best ever listeners, thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, 
please leave us a five-star review. Share this podcast with someone you think can benefit from it. Also, follow, subscribe, and have a best-ever day. Hi, best-ever listeners. Joe Fairless here again. And one last thing before you go, would you like to receive a short weekly email with proven tips from experienced investors, free tools and resources, and a roundup of the week's most relevant news and best-ever content? Well, if so... Join the community of nearly 15,000 commercial real estate passive and active investors who receive the best ever newsletter. Just go to bestevercre.com forward slash access and you'll get the very next one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, thank you for listening and have a best ever day.